Oconee State Bank is now serving Gwinnett. With the opening of a new commercial loan center, Oconee State Bank is proud to offer businesses in Gwinnett the type of remarkable service owners expect from their local community bank and financial partner. Their commercial bankers, Josh Osborne and Mike Fulton, have a combined 38 years of serving Gwinnett and are ready to help. Learn more about Oconee State Bank, their new Gwinnett Commercial Loan Center, and their mission to create remarkable experiences at OconeeStateBank.com. Member FDIC. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Senesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Beyond the Cupola, presented by Oconee State Bank. At Oconee State Bank, experience remarkable. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to Beyond the Cupola, brought to you by Oconee State Bank. I'm Mike Salmon. We're broadcasting from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the beautiful Senesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. And on this show, we invite guests uh, from Oconee State Bank, their customers, folks from their community, and team members. And they get the chance to share some valuable insights that have driven them to success and to uh, success in their business industry, along with their personal stories of success and inspiration. So we like to experience Remarkable for all our shows. And I think we're going to do that today because we have a wonderful organization, uh, Corners Outreach. Uh, is the organization we're going to talk about today on the show. And we are joined by their executive director, Larry Campbell, and by their relationship director, Caleb Stevens. So, uh, Larry and Caleb, welcome to the program, and thanks for coming into the studio. Thank you, Mike. We're glad to be here. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Well, I've, I've heard good things and read good things about Corners Outreach. So, so Larry, as the founder and executive director, give us the backstory and tell us what the organization does, and then we'll go into the history. Okay. Thank you for the opportunity to share Corners Outreach began with a very simple mission, to go to a local elementary school, ask the principal, where can I do the most good for you? And she sent us to a trailer park that was in her school district where they had the lowest group of kids grade-wise. And we went there not knowing anything about education, but really practicing what we do at home. We just put out a snack table when the kids got off the bus. We just started helping do their homework. We benchmarked everything. One year later, our kids had improved 54%. And their math table is 49% reading and 23% in their reading comprehension. So we quickly realized that a lot of it was focused attention, not really any other issue with that. And, of course, all the educators were very excited. All the parents were excited. And that was the beginning of Corners Outreach in 2012. All right. I've got a lot of questions I'm going to ask about, you know, how you got to that point and why you decided to do that, uh, obviously for, for many good reasons. But tell us about your background and your journey and, and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I'm a little bit unusual. I grew up in a house with loving parents, but who did not finish high school. And so education was, my parents' view, was the way to change my life. And my dad wanted me to be a farmer, and I didn't want to be a farmer but I also had to be honor, honoring my dad's request, so I were learned. Were your parents farmers? Yes, they were. Okay. My dad operated a small farm, but he worked a public job, so most of farming fell to me and my great-grandfather. So I knew a lot about farming, and I knew I didn't want to be one. Uh, I did well in school. I went to college. I graduated, went to work for the fifth largest company in the world, worked up through corporate America, and then basically left and started my own firm. Education separated me from the from my background to actually let me have the opportunity to do things. And I felt like as I got older and my kids got older, I wanted to give back to the community. So going back to the same elementary school my kids went to, the public school systems need a lot of help. A lot of our kids in public school need someone to walk out life with them. And many of our parents 
are making the same mistakes their parents made. That's why it's called cycles. And so we simply wanted to give them the same thing that was given to me is how education can change your life. I have to ask you, what was the fifth largest company in the world? Uh, Union Carbide Corporation, which is almost now non-existent, but at that time period, they owned Everready Battery, Purina Dog Food, brands that we know of, but we don't remember Union Carbide. Okay. Um, a lot of folks always say the right things. They want to do the right thing. You actually did it. What was it that compelled you to actually go to that elementary school, go to the principal and say, what can I do to help the kids? I think one of the difficulties of life is that you have to move toward action. I think it's we are a society that loves talking, and we talk the game. Uh, We are a society that loves the spectator. We watch football games all the time, but we don't play football. The bottom line gets into is I believe to change lives, you have to go walk out life with them. We talk that expression a great deal is let's be a guide, let's become a friend. In my opinion, it was just simple. Those kids needed someone to help them break out of those cycles. And when I got to know their kids and then I got to know their parents, I found them to be very hardworking people of high character. But many of them were making bad decisions because no one ever explained to them that you don't buy a car and pay 23% interest. Now, that's staggering to us, but that's because we grew up with people that explained to us how to do that differently. Over time, what I realized is, is that we have a lot more in common than most people think. And so to me, it was just a matter of being present. It wasn't about being a genius. It was about giving some time to our kids. And over time, those kids are very compelling. And from there, it went from those one school to now we have multiple schools. We have over 500 kids in our program. Well, I think if the kids realize somebody's actually caring, that makes a huge difference, and you're seeing that. So when was this when you came up with the idea that I want to do something, and then you actually started Corners Outreach? A bunch of us started in 2010. We kind of went to the school and started working it out. And by 2012, we recognized that we need to move from inside a church to outside a church to truly create a nonprofit that could work in the community. So we moved and created all the IRS documents and those things in 2012. The critical thing, though, is uh, the balance. That's not really about numbers. It's about changed lives. And so what we're trying to accomplish is not only the academic, but true life and, and true life change. In change management, if you, I'm in management consulting. I, I made my living in our company helping people move from A to B. Change is difficult, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to let change occur in a natural setting, all the time period honoring the people we're working with. So I work for the principal, I work for the mom, I work for the people in those lives, so they can tell me what they need me to do. And an old-fashioned statement is, if you love my kids, I love you. Our parents love us, even though they speak different languages at times. They have different backgrounds. But over time, we find ourselves in the common toll of life, taking care of our kids. And from there, we've been able to create a great community that has a better opportunity to thrive. All right, Larry, I'm going to make a – this may be a poor analogy, but many years ago, I I was uh, overseeing like an arena football team. I had to run the team. And so we came up with a name, had a press conference, and then I sat in a room with a phone thinking, okay – I mean, that was it, that we had nothing but a name and, you know, I had a little office. Now i got to find people. I've got to get this. I've got to get this. I've got to get, you know, it's, it's, it's very daunting. You sit up the table, had snacks for these kids. They come off the bus. You know it's work. It's doing good stuff. What do you do? What were you thinking then? Okay, now now what do I do? How do I you know how do I multiply? You said you had some partners that helped you out with this. How do I multiply us? Because there's a lot of kids out there. This is a need that's, you know, national, international. Yeah. I know it was very daunting, but what was your next step? (laughs) What was going through your mind? Well, here's the thing that I've always found is there's a lot of good people who want to do good. 
but no one's built a bridge for them to go from intention to action. Uh, a lot of times we'll take people, in the, and I'll even say, why don't you go to the trailer park with me? They're like, are you kidding? Go to go there? And so what we were able to accomplish is just, again, taking our volunteers by hand, working out yeah. with them and letting them have a very pleasant experience because they got to see, you know, uh, Ashley read for the first time. They got to see Emmanuel actually do well on a math test. And pretty soon when you see kids light up and you get to see what they're doing and you see how much their parents love you, pretty soon volunteers begin to come. And every time we go to a new location, we have volunteers all the way from private school. We have a great partnership with Wesleyan. Seventy of their kids come and tutor with us all the way to a 92-year-old grandmother. And she sits on the couch and the kids read to her. So at the end of the day, we've created a safe place that volunteers can come get to know our kids in the community, and it's actually taking care of itself. Today we have over 150 active volunteers, and we'll continue to grow that because I think there are a lot of good people that really want to help yeah. others. And those volunteers, any age, any gender, any color, anything, any background. Yes, exactly right. All, all we really want them to do is enjoy this chaos of you know, elementary school kids. There's only going to be some energy in the room, but we run it in a very structured way. We have a very strong plan every day. We're working on help them do their homework, and then we work on skill building. It could be multiplication tables. It could be, it could be fun to learn to read. It could be what character do you like in the story. It could it be this this sh sound? Or it could be language. We're really trying to wake things that we work from the school out. So we go back to the teachers during the day and say, "Hey, what's Larry struggling with? Oh, he's struggling with fractions." Then we do exercise on fractions. So everything's a closed loop. We're practicing what they're learning in school, and therefore we're good friends with the teacher, we're good friends with the parents, and we're helping the students succeed in places that didn't exceed, succeed before. Amazing stuff. And I know the more you give, the more you receive. And I, I, right. I can only think how rewarding this has been. I'm sure there's been no problem getting volunteers because once they get involved, they, they want to give more. Has there been any pushback when you first go to maybe these trailer parks or wherever where these kids are thinking, okay, why do these strangers care about me? I would say this. We work in elementary school because you've got to lay the foundation. I mean, it's the statement that we say a lot is you have to learn to read to read to learn. And so we're focused elementary. We grow up from there. In all honesty, kids love attention. And, and if you're willing to help me, the first day I open new clubs, I'll have 30 to 40 kids come the very first day. So literally, many of our kids are bright. They want someone to help them do better in school. And so we've been, we found open hearts and open arms, and we found everyone being very accepted. And we truly become family. Uh, we tell people all the time, it's, how do we help people? Well, we take them to the post office. We take them to the grocery store. We take them to the doctor. I've also been to immigration court a number of times. If you'd asked me in 2010 what would be the biggest struggle, I wouldn't have had immigration or all those things on my radar. What I find today is many of our children are U.S. born, but many of their parents are not. So there's a struggle between those items. So what we've learned to do in that situation is how do we walk out life in that view? It's very, very different than a lot of people might think. And I'm not trying to take us into a political direction. I'm really saying that for our kids to succeed, we actually have to look at those hurdles that they're faced with every day. There's some amazing numbers on the website. I'm going to get to that in, in a minute. But I do want to ask you, what areas are you serving right now? For those that are listening that might want to get involved, what areas are you serving? Yeah, we're serving in the Peachtree Corners, Duluth, Norcross, Dunwoody, Brookhaven, all those areas there. All, what I'd say, metro Atlanta. We haven't got down inside Atlanta yet, but we're really in Gwinnett, DeKalb, and Fulton County Schools. And just a couple of staggering numbers. There are 125 Title I, which means assisted lunch, 125 Title I schools, elementary schools in those three counties, over 150,000 children 
are classified as being below the poverty level. So there's plenty of opportunity. We're very, very proud to work with over 500, and our 2025 objective is over 4,000, but we still have many, many kids that need someone to be in their life, which is my encouragement to everyone listening is become a volunteer. You mentioned earlier the church. How involved is that, the, the Christian values and things like that? How much of that is part of the program? Here's the way I, I feel like we, all, we want to do good, go do good. And if you go do good, people ask you why. And I certainly believe there's great reason to do that from a spiritual point of view. We talk a lot about that from a personal point of view. From an organization point of view, we just want to do good. And so we're not pushing one particular religion or one particular value. We actually want people to ask us, why do you help us? I have moms and dads who will come hug me that I don't know, and they'll say, poor Kay, why? And we'll talk to them about our personal faith so it gets a chance to share that. But at the end of the day, we just want to be— we want to be known for doing good, kind of an old-fashioned uh, concept. You're listening to Beyond the Cupola here on Business Radio X, brought to you by Oconee State Bank. We're talking with Larry Campbell. He's the executive director of Corners Outreach. We're also joined by Caleb Stevens. He's the relationship director. Caleb, talk about how you got involved with this organization and your thoughts. Sure, yeah. So so I've known Larry. I'm 24, but I've, I've known Larry since I was probably – 12 years old. He's a friend of my dad's and I kind of grew up knowing the Campbells and we'd go out to to dinner and have uh, just family time together. And so I've known about Corners kind of from a distance for a long time now, but I got involved about five months ago as we've started to, you know, started to grow. We started with one school, you know, back in 2012 and here we are with five schools. And like Larry said, our mission is to get, you know, 25 or 30 schools by 2025, which is a big plan and audacious plan and an exciting plan. But that also means that funding has to be a critical piece of what we're doing. And so part of my role is to work with donors, with foundations, with corporate sponsors that kind of get our story and our mission that want to be part of that. And then kind of the second piece that I do, and I don't know if we've gotten to this yet, but over time what we notice is that in order to win, we really have to focus on education. That's important, but we also have to look at our families and our parents and look at kind of their income situation. And what we've found over time is that a lot of our parents are underpaid and they have extensive experience in industries like lawn care, uh, light construction, and the food industry. And so Larry and I uh, sat down a few months ago and said, wow, what if we were to start our own landscaping business underneath our nonprofit that would hire those parents into higher paying jobs and help them break those cycles of poverty? There's that business background, exactly. Larry. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I, mean, I, I personally think Larry's better at building businesses than after school programs in many cases, just because that's what he's done for his entire career. And so I help manage that as well as, as our Corners Industries, is what we call it, Corners Industries Lawn Services, helping us scale and hire more parents. That's part genius. I mean, who would have? <laughs> I would have never thought of that. It's a, it's a really innovative concept. And so I would say I kind of split my time between the landscaping company helping us grow and scale and be profitable there, and then also the foundations and the donors and, and that side of things. I mean, one thing I could add to that, too, is when I said we measure everything. So when the parents come sign up for our program, we basically have them sign a parent release form. So we get to see all the education information from their school. So it lets us that we also ask them what's their occupation. And so they tell us, I'm in landscaping, I'm in construction, I'm in food industry. And then we're using what's called asset-based community development. Rather than go to people and say, what do you need? We go to people and say, what do you do well? And then we build businesses on what they do well, which honors them. It lets them make a better living, and it actually creates thriving communities. So now I can go to business people and say, don't give me a donation. Make an investment. And a lot of business people love the fact that they can help me buy a landscape truck, 
and they'll see the payoff in what we're trying to do with that. It's a totally different way to look at helping people than it is to writing a check just as a donation. Is there any cost for the kids or their families that are involved that you're serving? We ask them to do cost participation. So we're asking them to pay about 10% of the cost. And part of that is because we want them to want to be there. You know, the critical thing in life is not who needs help, but it's who wants help. And that's a critical separation. We want our kids to come who recommend, who recognize the need for education. We want our parents to come who recognize the need for change. It's much easier to help someone who wants help. Right. They have a little skin in the game, as they say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another bad analogy is like if I buy a gym membership. I'm paying for the membership. It's going to make me go to the gym. Yeah. There's there's great truth to that. Not always, but (laughs) sometimes. Um, you talked, um, Caleb, about raising money. You work with businesses. So you're talking to a great audience right now, by the way, for that. When you do raise the money, what is that money going towards? It's a great question. So there's several categories. Oftentimes we'll have somebody that comes to us and says, hey, I really believe in your landscaping business because I'm going to give you money and then you're going to turn around and make money. So I want this designation, this donation to be designated for your next box truck, your next mower. Sometimes we have people that really want it to be going towards a certain equipment. Sometimes they're really passionate about, hey, you're opening a new school in the Brookhaven area. I want to be part of that that project. And so they'll designate money towards that particular school. Sometimes it's just a general donation of they love what we're doing and they believe in it. And they say, I trust you and I know your mission and, and I trust that you'll steward this you know, in the appropriate way. So you get kind of a mix, I would say. And then as far as the foundation side of things, we write grants for specific requests in terms of opening new schools or the landscape company or whatever it might be, just in terms of where we're growing and what our needs are at the time of the request. I was looking at your website here and just got some very interesting information here on the website. I'd like to unpack it a little bit, yeah. if you could, Larry. Uh, a study from Northeastern University found that high school dropouts cost taxpayers $292,000 over the course of their lives. Unpack that a little bit. Well, the thing that we don't recognize, and just a couple things I think through, is that if someone drops out of high school, they're 60 times more likely to serve a prison term. Now think about the, the how debilitating it is so to your a life. a high school dropout, 60% more likely to end up in prison compared to someone that graduates Correct. or gets a GED. Correct. And the thing we get ourselves into is we all recognize that when you drop out of high school, your earnings levels go down, and it's very hard to, to reach that. Therefore, you spend more time on social programs. So what we look at is we spend $1,000 per student per year. That gives them individual tutoring, a snack every day, and a summer meal. So we do a year-round program. Even if someone was with us all 13 years, that's only $13,000 versus $292,000. Today, in, in Gwinnett County, DeKalb County, second language students graduate about 33% of the time. So that means that if you have 1,000 students, only 33% are graduating. If we can move that to 66%, double the output, mm-hmm. we would save pet taxpayers over $50 million. Wow. Another uh, interesting stat here, a recent study shows that students who do not read proficiently by third grade are four times more likely to leave high school without a diploma than proficient readers. And that goes back to setting up a table, having some snacks, and as you say, just reading with the children. Mm-hmm. We, we see that, you know, we may grow up in houses where people read a lot out loud. A lot of our families don't read. Many of our parents have sixth to eighth grade education, and in that situation, reading is very, very laborsome. We want reading to be fun. And for reading to be fun, you have to agree a certain proficiency of that. It's staggering to think that by third grade, you can actually predict whether someone will graduate high school. Yeah. It's really why we need so many volunteers, because I can put kids at a table and do math facts. I can might do one on five or one on six, 
But if I'm going to read with someone, I really need to be one-on-one. So all those listening, we need you to help us read with our kids. Yeah. And uh, one other thing, uh, while you were going through all this and and you touched upon this, uh, Corners Industries, where you basically began a business because you found out that many of the parents had more than two jobs. So, again, thinking outside the box. Yeah. Well, the thing it gets into is if if you really look at it is today we have a labor shortage. We have a manual labor shortage all around us. You go talk to business leaders and say, what's your struggle? They don't have enough workers. Part of the thing gets into is because our workers sometimes are working so many jobs, they're just trying to survive. Rather than have someone else take that commerce because we believe in them, we know what they can do, we can take care of that, we're just pulling them into a family environment where they can work together with us, and then we get a better opportunity to influence their decisions. The decisions like keep your teenager in school. I spend a lot of time doing what I did with my dad. I told my dad I want to do both. I'll learn to be a good farmer, but let me go to college. You know, let me read the books. Let me go to the library. I tell our parents, learn English, but keep speaking Spanish. There's a great opportunity for being bilingual. Oh, yeah. So we're not trying to move them from that. Learn to be great at landscaping, but learn to be good in school. Never cut off your options. So we spend a lot of time with parents convincing them, telling them my story of how I grew up like them, and that now life can be different because of the fact I was able to stay in school and get a college education. And we're sitting here at a studio smack dab in the middle of Gwinnett, the most diverse county pretty much in the country, if just not, I know the southeast, but maybe even in the country. So to have two languages or not or more is, is so valuable. So absolutely, you're, you're dead on. The website, by the way, is uh, cornersoutreach.org for folks that want to take a look at that right now and uh, get some of this information and find out more about volunteering. And, and we'll give that website again at the, uh, the end of the interview. Um, you're here as a guest of Oconee State Bank here on Beyond the Cupola. Uh, you guys have a business relationship there, so that's, uh, that's why you're here. So talk a little bit about that relationship as you guys have been doing business with Oconee State Bank. Yeah, so really for me, it's kind of a personal thing. So my dad works with Oconee State Bank, uh, uh, Neil Stevens. And so I mentioned this on the the show that we did uh, a few months ago when I was talking about Collegiate, the the book that uh, Nick Sellers and I wrote. I I grew up in a banking family. Banking's kind of been part of my life, you know, for since I was born. And so uh, to have my dad be part of Oconee State Bank has just been a wonderful thing for him. And he's loved being a part of the culture and everything that they're doing here. And uh, like Larry said, just the loyalty of those key relationships that you could follow someone around from – you know, bank to bank to bank is is really cool, and, and, I, and I really appreciate Larry's uh, just commitment to, to my dad and to Oconee State Bank and just all the wonderful things we're doing here in, in Gwinnett County, launching the new offices and, and this show, too, just highlighting some of the great things that uh, some of their customers are getting to do in the community is, uh, is an awesome thing. For those that are listening, whether they want to donate a couple hours a week, a couple hours even a month, or go, you know, we even make it more of a mission for them and get even more involved what are the kinds of things you're looking for right now yeah it's a crazy thing to say this but we have 500 students we give them a snack every day if you calculate out you know every day you get a snack and then in the summer you get a meal you know we need lots of snacks we have people that we say come to homework club and help our kids out either help them with homework or help them with reading well people will say larry i can't be there at 3 30 and i get that because i was a business guy running a business job but I said, when you're in the grocery store, can you pick up some goldfish? Hey, I can do that. So what we're asking people to do is do what they can do. We have team meetings twice a week. Part of it is we need mentors. We need people that can work with our teenagers. It's a very vulnerable time when people become teenagers. We want to keep them on the right path. We also have parent meetings once a month. We have folks that come in that actually can talk about how to buy a house, how to create a loan, how to buy a car, 
how to look at your All jobs. All the things they don't teach you in school, by the way, which still boggles my mind, but I won't go there right now. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say, look at our website. We would love to have you come volunteer with us. This summer, we ran a soccer camp, and we're trying to get a way to get our kids to see that soccer, which is so much fun, they all love doing. But soccer, in order to be good at soccer, you have to be good in school. You're not going to play soccer in college unless you can go to college. So part of it gets into is think about what you do well, what you have a passion for doing. We had folks that come to us, and they actually love tennis. And they brought many tennis in, and our kids, for the first time, had a racket sport. It was fun to watch kids who are very, very good with their feet now try to actually hit a tennis ball. So I tell people all the time, just come see us. Spend life with us. Enjoy our families. Let them enjoy who you are. It's a win-win kind of situation. And what's the age range of the kids you're working with now in the program? We start with kids in kindergarten through fifth grade, but then our teenagers are always with us. So for our kindergarten through fifth grade, it's year-round every day. But for our teenagers, it moves into once a week or twice a week. And as they get to be high school kids, it's usually just once a month with special projects or when they get ready to think about college entrance and those things. So it's just trying to build a relationship. So we're the constant. They can always come back to us for any help. Before we let you go, Larry, I want to ask you maybe to share a story, a success story. It could be about one child, several children, whatever, that has, where you've seen you've made a difference. Yeah, the wonderful thing, Mike, is I actually could spend hours telling stories, and they're all true stories. But let me just tell one. Uh, Michael graduated this year from Duluth High School. He'll be going to college. Michael's the middle child. Ramona, his mother, has raised five children by herself, two older than Michael and two younger than Michael. Michael is the first child in his family to graduate high school, graduate high school, and he's going to college. We've been, Michael's been in our program for six years. I got to know Michael's older brothers, who are 23 and 24, and both of them said, I wish I'd known you then. Mm-hmm. Part of it gets into is we're actually going back to Michael's brothers and pulling them back and saying, let's do GEDs, let's do other things, because sometimes we drop out for money. Those boys dropped out to help their mother. It's a very honorable thing to do. But now they find themselves in jobs that doesn't have very, very good pay. The good news is, is Michael, two younger sisters are all doing very well in school. I think they'll join Michael in college one day. Single mom, doesn't speak their language, and yet is successfully raising her children to be great contributors to the community. We're playing a small part in that, but it just says we can make a difference. Right. And Caleb, you're a young, strapping young man. You can do lots of things and spend your time in lots of areas. What is it about this program that has touched your heart? I think for me, it's the connection of, of doing business-like things with a purpose. You know, for my role really is very similar to any, any typical business role. I'm building relationships. I'm connecting with sponsors. I'm helping grow a landscaping company. So a lot of my role very, very much is in the business world, so to speak, it's just under a nonprofit. And so to have the missional component with the components of business, I think, align with my skills and my passions. has uh, just been a great fit. You don't have a painting department yet, do you? I could use some painters. <laughs> we do we, have we a do. painting department. Okay, let's yeah. talk after the show. <laughs> let's talk. The most important question, I've already touched upon this and kind of gave it away earlier, but uh, for that website, let's send folks there. Give that information and any other information you want to give as far as contact info. At cornersoutreach.org, look us up. Uh, we, our numbers are on there. Send us an email. We'd love to follow up with you. All right. Well, Congratulations. If I could reach you right now, I'd shake your hand. I mean, for all, all you've done, I know this is just going to get bigger and bigger. you got some good people involved as well. Mm. So I know it's got to be very rewarding, and I know it's something that you're probably going to continue to do probably as long as you physically and 
psychologically can. Yep, that's exactly right. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Larry Campbell, the executive director with uh, Corners Outreach, and uh, Caleb Stevens, the relationship director uh, with Corners Outreach. And again, the website, cornersoutreach.org. Mm-hmm. So go there and uh, check it out. A reminder, of course, this is Beyond the Cupola, brought to you by Oconee State Bank. You can check out all our previous episodes by going to businessradiox.com, select the Gwinnett Studio, and you'll see Beyond the Cupola and the Oconee State logo right there. Click on there, and you'll see all our uh, past and uh, previous shows. For our producer, Trey, I'm Mike. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on Beyond the Cupola.